0: Micah chapter 4 verses 1 to 5, the mountain of the Lord. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of of the God of Jacob, he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law, the law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods. We will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. Amen. The second reading that I've asked
1: Derek is a bit of a peculiar reading for today. I'll explain later more, more later even. This reading is um, set, it fits in with 4 Micah. OK, it's set on the Samaritan kind of Galilee border in that kind of um, divided territory. And this is what happens. Thank you, Derek..
2: This second reading is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. Verses 11 to 19, 10 healed of leprosy. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Here ends the lesson.
1: I think the uh, people who had healed would have actually, particularly the one, um, would have actually acknowledged the words of this next song about the greatest day in history and the great love and the compassion of God. So you may say, what a strange choice. Not with the four Micah reading, but the other one. What is she on? And you might be trying to work out as I speak what on earth I'm going to say, which is probably also the case for me as well. Anyway, moving on. I suppose, really, the reason I chose that reading about the ten lepers... ...was because I prayed about it, and that was the one that I got, okay? Sometimes that happens, and that's the one I got. And I looked at it, and thought, really? What am I going to do with that? But when you think about it, when you reflect on it... ...there are actually distinct themes that actually really relate to Remembrance Sunday... ...the whole theme of remembering and the whole theme of, of conflict. Just thinking about the themes that come out of that passage... ...there is a theme of fear... There is a theme of trust, there is a theme of solidarity, and then there's the obvious one, the theme of thankfulness. Let me just go through them. It's a four-part sermon, okay? Be afraid, be very afraid, because I have two glasses. There was, there was actually no elder on duty, so I indulged myself. Anyway, which is good because there's some quite kind of you know, throaty sort of songs so far and some I've got to save myself for later. Anyway, fear. Okay, right. I did mention, didn't I, there is kind of a thread running through that in the Micah passage it talked about the divided kingdom, about north-south, about Samaria and Judah, about Jerusalem and Samaria, and, and the, the kind of divided kingdom and the no-man's land in the middle. Do you see where I'm going? Okay, no man's land in the middle. So Jesus entered into no man's land. Okay, he entered into the no-go area. It was the area where people really didn't want to go. The only people to be found in this area for any length of time were outcasts, including, yes, you've guessed it, lepers. He was entering into the danger zone and he was exposed and vulnerable. Therefore, he was ripe for mugging. You know that passage about the Good Samaritan? I know that was only a parable unlike this, but even so, the theme runs through. Jesus knew that as he walked in that area, he could well have been mugged or set upon or even encountered lepers, which, don't forget, they thought was infectious. And some of it was, some of it wasn't, but in those days, they thought it was. So, no Man land for Jesus, was a place where... People didn't want to go. Also, that's true in war, isn't it? No man's land is a place where people don't want to go. It's a place where people on both sides could be killed. It's a place where people do not want to raise their heads over the parapet in case it's blown off. Only soldiers would go into... I, I'm sorry if I'm using the wrong terminology, those who've got people in the, um, in the armed services. I mean, it's, I just call them soldiers, okay? It's also airmen and all sorts of people. But they, they, only soldiers, only people serving in the forces would go into no man's land. But even they would go there with a knot in their stomach of fear. It reminds me, do you remember that scene in Black Adder? Do you know the very end? Have you seen that? If you haven't seen it, it's really good. But that scene in that Blackadder um, First World War sketch, isn't it, where they, um, they, they go up, don't they, into no man's land, and then they say, I don't know that I'm quoting it completely right, but it says, the Great War, 1914 to 1917. Anything think, no. <laughs> no, it's not finished. I think that's it, isn't it? But anyway, it's basically the idea that people do not go there. And then there were the poppy fields, weren't there? So not only in the story of the lepers was that element of fear that Jesus went to a place where he was presumably not very pleased to go, but also it introduces the whole idea that soldiers, people who are serving on our behalf are fearful. But I also ask the question, where is the no man's land today? Because 1914-18, you knew, you're in the trenches, the bit in the middle was the bit there where they fought, horrible, horrible places, but they were safe in certain places, weren't they, in those days, with that type of warfare No man's land now is almost anywhere for soldiers, isn't it? No man's land is in their own army bases where psychiatrists who are meant to be caring for them, who presumably some of them shared their deepest, darkest fears with, were the people that actually killed them. Soldiers were training police officers. You all know the stories in the news recently, training people to be police officers. Presumably they had a joke, presumably they were friendly with them, but those were the ones who killed their supposed friends and allies. So for people in the army now, no man's land is everywhere. They have nowhere where they can feel safe and relaxed. They can't take off. Is it their flat jackets? because of fear that they will be killed. That is the stark reality. I know, I know very little about this. Other people will be able to tell me more, but as far as I can discern it, that is the stark reality, that fear is more prevalent now in the armed forces than it would have been in more recent years. And as we think of them and remember them, let us pray for them with their fear. As we think of that whole theme of fear, it may be something that you can identify with, not perhaps because you're on the front line, but maybe you can think of situations that bring you that ball of tension inside. Maybe fear of death, maybe fear of illness. I don't know what your fears are, but we're told to submit those fears to God And the ask that through his perfect love, he will bring you peace. If that's something that echoes with you, do come and talk to myself, to me later. And and perhaps that's something that we could pray through. So the theme of fear, I also said the theme of, of trust. Okay, that the fact that no man's land is extended is partly because of the broken trust that those soldiers now have got. Who can you trust? Who can you be open with and unprotected with? We need to pray for the protection of those who are serving on our behalf. It's interesting that um, James has got, I could tell you the story, but I won't do, but James has got a friend who's a Pakistani Christian, and we almost got him to come here and speak. Wouldn't that have been interesting? Could have shoved me to the side for a minute, but I think he was scared of stopping with us. But anyway, hey-ho. I cannot, you can understand that, can't you? Anyway, but he would have come and shared something about his family's situation, because as a Pakistani Christian, he's at university with James, his um, family are very vulnerable, Not only are they vulnerable because they have persecution in the locality, because it's a largely Muslim area, but also they're vulnerable because Pishwara, I think i pronounced it right, um, the area that they live in is where the bombing is going on. I don't want to talk about the rights and the wrongs of the war, but the bombing, the, the, the kind of way that it's happened, is that the, the, force, the, the people who are actually causing the problems have been shoved over into Pakistan, and now they're actually having to deal with the problems. But he was saying, when I spoke with him um, a couple of weeks ago, He came, by the way, to the Women's Pamper Day. What happened was, James and um, Johnny Powell, thank you for having the boys, okay? What happened was, we had pamper night. I'm going off on a tangent here. We had pamper night here for the girls, and Johnny Powell, he had the boys, okay? And James brought four of his friends over to watch Leicester City. They won. Leicester City at the Powell House, which was good. But I said, well, why don't you just pop them into the pamper thing just to say hi? I wanted to say bye-bye to my son. So they came in, and, and I, at that time, got my glasses off, couldn't see them. And somebody was doing very strange things with my hair. French plait, but I had my hair like this. No wonder he didn't want to come for the weekend. He thought, really mad woman. Anyway, so we were there, and, and, and apparently he said is this? <laughs> Which you can understand. I don't think they have things like that in Pakistan. Anyway, and, and then he said oh yes, when it was explained my mother has a ladies fellowship. Anyway, so moving on. So I don't know whether he'll ever come back again but he was saying, before this incident, he was saying that um, the Christian community in his local area actually have been largely, personally unaffected by the bombing in the sense that, who knows whether that will continue, but in the sense that, personally, many of the Christian families actually have been safe. And he would say that that was because of the prayer that they have had for protection for those communities. However you discern the answer to prayer, it is good to pray for people and for their protection, for civilians and people, and for the armed forces in these situations. But just thinking about the theme of fear, thinking about the theme of trust as well, the lepers, I'm going from one to the other on time. The lepers in the story, who did they put their trust in? Okay, they were in a mess, they're outcasts in society. They called out, didn't they, to Jesus for healing. The soldiers, who do they put their trust in? Who do we put our trust in? You can identify with the soldiers who may have trusted that psychiatrist, who may have trusted the friends that they thought they had, who they were training up to be police officers. When that trust is broken, it has a devastating effect, and it will bring in fear, and it will actually um, colour the way that you actually then go on in relationships. Maybe for you, you've had a relationship that you really valued that was broken, and you felt let down. Mm. Maybe you felt abused by other people or indeed been abused by other people. Have people shattered your trust? Again, you can pray for the soldiers, but also pray for yourself, that you will have that strength to offer to God that vulnerability, offer to God that need for healing, because he longs to bring them and you peace, and the capability to begin to trust again. So I said the story is about fear, no man's land, wherever that is. It's about trust. Who can you trust? Trusting in God. And also it's about solidarity. We all need people who will stand alongside us. No one can fight alone. However, you're talking whether you're talking about armed conflict or going on in life alone. Have you heard the expression you and whose army? If it's just you, you're lost. And it's vital in the armed forces to know that there is that solidarity, that loyalty, that support of comrades. If you fall, you want somebody to pick you up don't you, and bring you out. And I think it's partly to do with that camaraderie, but also thinking, well, if I don't do it for them, they won't do it for me. There's, there's all sorts of emotions going on. But that solidarity, that comradeship, is crucial as they carry on. And I guess the lepers, again, jumping, I'll say it slower so it's not confusing you completely, but I guess there may have been with the lepers in Luke 17 some kind of strange solidarity... They were mixed, weren't they? It said this one was a Samaritan, presumably that one was a Jew. They were, they were mixed. There was kind of across their kind of national divides, wasn't there? That they actually were, in some ways, the solidarity by their awful circumstances. They were the joint outcasts in society. But they needed somebody from the outside to come in and bring them that support. Jesus was prepared to do that, to come alongside those lepers. He was prepared to risk skin disease. What if he'd have caught it? He'd have lost limbs, possibly. He himself would have become outcast. He himself would not have been able to continue in his ministry. In short, Jesus had many excuses not to come alongside those lepers. He had every excuse available to just say, hi, bye, and go. But Jesus was moved by love and compassion. Every day, men and women are losing limbs, putting their lives at risk, having their lives shattered, indeed cut short, because of the solidarity that they have with us and also with their comrades, The least we can do is remember them. Fear, trust, solidarity. Point four. I not even touch the water. When I was a child, do you remember this? Those of you who went to junior church, do you remember reading this story? And they always emphasized when you're at junior church the thankful bit. Be thankful, okay? That's what parents always taught you. And it's a good thing, isn't it? Give thanks. You know, auntie gives you a present. Give her a kiss, okay, when she comes descending upon you. You know that kind of thing. You're meant to say thank you. That's what children do, okay? So they emphasize that with this leper story. And that is another theme, isn't it, that comes out, okay? Thankfulness. Be thankful. There's only a little bit on this page. Okay, so then, when I thought about it, when I was a child, that there were 10 lepers and one of them gave a thanks, the others just went off. I mean, how rude is that? I mean, when you think about it, I mean, if you had something, some of you may have, I don't know, but if you had something majorly wrong with you and Jesus healed you, you'd have think you'd have gone back, wouldn't you, and said, oh, thank you very much. Even if you weren't very grateful, you'd have made you a little bit grateful, wouldn't you? How incredibly rude was that? I mean, what did their mothers teach them? I know she may have taught them, you know, don't speak to strangers, but obviously they had to ignore that one, but also she should have taught them, shouldn't she, to say thanks. And then you think to yourself, don't you, I would never do that. If it was me, I'd be so grateful, I'd be rushing back, I'd be number two. It would have been a totally different story, Been eight lepers and the two who said thankful if it had been for you. But actually, do we always give thanks? Do we give thanks to those who sacrifice much for us? There's been an awful lot of kind of criticism, hasn't there, of the war, which on one level you can understand. I started, I went on Google, I don't know if you've ever done this, Googling what on earth's going on out there. Do you know what I mean? And and I mean, Gordon Brown tried, didn't he? But I'm still none the wiser. But we don't really know, do we, the ins and outs and the facts, because sometimes they're glossed, aren't they? And you're thinking, you know, what is the reason for this war? But whatever the reason is, and whether it's right, whether it's wrong, we need to be grateful for the people who are going out there on our behalf because they feel that that is the right thing to do because that's their job. And it's really so sad, it's really poignant, isn't it, when you have parents on the telly and they're talking about their child, their son or daughter who's died. And then they kind of clam up, don't they, when they say, Was it worth it? And they say something like, We were proud of them. But they they can't quite answer the question very often because they're not quite sure. So although whether we agree with the war or not, it's been awful in the press, hasn't it? All the kind of negative publicity, all of the kind of criticism of the people who are going out there and fighting, because they're doing it, they're sacrificing their lives because they feel that that's what they have to do for us. Also, it relates to our relationship and our attitude to God, like the lepers, isn't it? Do we give thanks to God? It's very easy to give thanks to God when everything's going brilliantly, isn't it? I don't know how many times when everything is going brilliantly in your life. Can you remember a moment when everything was absolutely perfect? There must have been one time, sometime. But if you actually reserve your thanks for God for that one time, it's going to be very limited, the praise, isn't it? Because usually there's something kicking off, isn't there? But we are called, aren't we, to praise God and to thank God in all circumstances. To give him the blessing, to give him the glory, to give him the honour. And that's what we're commanded to do. So then I don't know if you thought it was a strange reading, but it does have those themes of fear, the themes of trust, the theme of solidarity, and the themes of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And as we approach giving God praise, let us also now join together in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you to give you thanks. To give you thanks, whatever our circumstances, for all that you've done for us to give you thanks that your perfect love casts out our fear. We give you thanks that you are our trustworthy God who has solidarity with us, who comes alongside us. Help us to come to you and bring our lives to you. We thank you that you laid your life down so we may be forgiven and that we may give you thanks and praise. Today, as we remember Jesus' sacrifice, we also give thanks to all those who have sacrificed much for our peace. For those in the armed forces who endure fear, vulnerability, and risk their lives for us. We pray for your protection for the armed forces for their bases, for their homes and those places of no man's land where they're particularly in risk and we pray for their families that your peace may bring healing to their fear may they know your hope and the assurance of your love And as we've seen those pictures on the screen, we pray for your comfort for those who mourn. And your strength and determination and provision for those who are injured. And help everyone to remember and respect the sacrifice that has been made. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.